I worked nine years in law enforcement. I worked 13 years in the fire service. I like to go and see and I like to do. And I'm not really an orderly guy. I like to kind of just deal with things as they happen. Many of you like to have a schedule and clean cut. And I'm going to tell you something. Since I've come to God, nothing compares to what I've seen and done in the past. Watching God work, and uh, he knows that I don't per se like the schedule and the sit and the, and the fixed, and so he is always throwing me surprises. <laughs> and one of those was today, but I praise God that even as he does that, that we still, that he is in control, that he's been putting this on my heart now for a while, and I just didn't know that today was going to be the day that I got to share it. But I thank God that he still has a plan for all of us. I just stand in awe. I, I just, it's so hard to believe. But we serve an awesome God. I want to start this morning with one of the parables. And it's in Mark 5, among other places. Uh, the, the invalid woman, the woman with the issue of blood. She spent everything she had. She went to all the doctors. She did everything that she could for many, many years. And if you understand back then, the woman was unclean. So there's a lot of things that she couldn't participate in and she couldn't do in. She had a major problem. And she found out that this man named Jesus was coming through town. And she didn't know what the answer was, but she knew where the answer was. She knew that he had it. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Do you know that in the beautiful book, Desire of Ages, we're told that Jesus went out of his way so she could fulfill that desire? Don't forget that. Jesus many times goes out of his way. He gives us desires in our heart. And he goes out of his way to make sure that we also can fulfill those desires. Those God-like desires. And when she got in that crowd, she couldn't just reach and touch him. He didn't pass by. She had to fight her way up there to touch that garment. And Jesus turned around and said one of the craziest things we think we've ever heard. When you're in the crowd, who's touching you? Everybody's touching you. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Good old Peter, I would, I would, I would believe. Peter was always fast to answer. Everyone's touching you. You're in a crowd. And yet Jesus, in Desire of Ages, tells us that he didn't want this woman to go away thinking that she had done something wrong. He wanted to encourage her to reach out by faith again and to touch and to connect with him. And I think that story is also for you and I today. That not only did this woman have faith, but that you and I should reach out and by faith touch Christ again. That you and I can do this today also. if I can get this thing working and it's not wanting to work my question today is why are you here today did you come to church today to follow a man I pray the answer is no because I don't know of any of them that are worth following we're all have problems and issues and if you follow a man you're going to go astray and it will be guaranteed trouble I pray that just like this woman 
that you came to church today to meet Christ, to reach out to Christ. Did you pray for the speaker today? I did. Little did I know who I was praying for. (laughs) But I'm thankful that I did because I needed help. Because I can't do this. And yet God can do this and he can see us through. Why do we go to church? Is it to come and socialize with our friends? Is it to hear a good message? Do you know that if you don't start your day right, that the day won't go right later on? And by start your day right, it's Sabbath, and we want that Sabbath day's blessing. We want that time with God. How many of you got up this morning and started your day with God? I pray you didn't wait till you got here to get your blessing. We love and serve a creator God who can create a lot of blessings. We can start those blessings early in the morning. When Israel walked through the wilderness, what time did God feed them? What time did they go get the manna? In the morning. And when the sun came up, what happened? It melted. We tend to think of just the physical, but we deal with physical, mental, and spiritual. If you want spiritual food, the best time to get it is in the morning. Because when the sun comes up, my phone starts ringing. People start wanting things. And I can't eat then, physically or spiritually. So we want to get our blessings before we come here. And then if you've already been studying, if you've already been spending time with God, as happened this morning, the confirmation, the very thing that he had me studying is the very thing that he had put on Joe's heart. As I watch the things going on around us today, the fires and all that, we're talking about insurance, getting insurance, that's a good thing to have. Do you know that once the fires come into an area, they won't touch your policy? You're locked in. What you have is what you have. The Bible tells us there's a day coming again. And what we have will be what we have. As in the days of Noah. They went in the ark and what they had, they were closed in. And that's what they have. And today it's going to happen again. And you and I want to reach out. We want that touch of faith. We want that close personal relationship with Christ so that we can share with others because you never know when you will be asked to share. I find it very interesting in the Bible, the very first of the verse in the Bible, Genesis 1.1, do you know what it says? In the beginning. So as far as I know, my start point, there was a God and God created. I wish I could convey to you the hope And the help that that has been to me. If you only knew how many times I turned to God and said, God, please, I need you to create an answer again. I don't have an answer. I need you to create one. Can you do it? And the answer is yes. I'm very thankful for that. Today, as in the Garden of Eden, God wants to create. In the Garden of Eden, there was something called the Tree of Life. And tree of knowledge of good and evil. I pray today that we can get a biblical picture of Christ. I was raised with one picture of Christ, and he carried a baseball bat, and he watched what I ate, and he did a lot of other things. And it kind of drove me out of religion. 
And we have people coming in the church and we want them to meet my standards. Really? It took me years and years to get where I am today. If I could do one thing for you today, I would like to introduce you to Christ. I want you to hear Christ leading you, sharing with you. I want, you, I want Christ to tell you, let's lay this aside. I want Christ to tell you, let's go here, let's study this, let's do this. There was, in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we have that again today. Well, let's go back here. In the beginning, God wanted us to know that there was a tree of life and it was there for us. And I, I really, God has an amazing sense of humor. What did he call it? A tree of life. If you want to live, this is how you do it. Tree of life. Eat from this. He had another tree and he called it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We were just supposed to know that, that evil existed. We weren't supposed to experience that. We were never to eat from that tree. We were never to experience the heartaches that we're experiencing today. The pain, the loss, the suffering, the drugs, the, the, the marriages in trouble, the, so many other things. That was not part of God's plan. But we can still go to God. And he has a plan. I was talking with someone in the store one day. And they looked me right in the eye and they said, I know this isn't God's plan for my life. They had made a mistake. And I said, you're right. And then they looked me in the eye and they said, but God still has a plan for me. Friends, plan A has a lot less scars and a lot less pain and all that. But if you mess up plan A, just know there's plan B. Don't keep going. My testimony of what God has done in my life only tells you one thing. I'm very hard-headed. It took a long time to reach me. But praise God, he never gave up on me. He continued to come after me. Today, this tree of knowledge of good and evil is still here. I don't have a TV in my house. Do you have one of these things? To me, they're worse than a TV. They connect us to so much more than TVs. They cause so many more problems than the TVs ever did. You can still eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it's still going to cause you pain and heartaches and scars and all that. We don't want to eat from that tree. We want to eat from the tree of life. We want to prepare for heaven. Sabbath was hallowed at the creation as ordained for man. It's had its origin when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Job 38, 7. Do you ever look up at the stars? Do you think about them singing? There's a whole other world awaiting us. Do you know that the stars, that God has a name for each and every one of them? That's pretty impressive. Do you know that several years ago, they took the Hubble telescope, big man-made piece of equipment, and they pointed it at the darkest point of space, and they just left it there. And I forget how long they left it there. I think it was like a month. There was nothing out there, but they were going to see if the Hubble could see anything. When they came back and looked at that picture, do you know what they found? Not just stars. They found whole galaxies, uncountable amount of stars. Now, just because I didn't know they were there doesn't mean that God didn't already know their name. He not only knows the stars' names, he knows your name. He knows my name. He has plans for us. He has things that he wants to accomplish with us. Peace brooded over the world then. The earth was in harmony with heaven. 
God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and he rested in the joy of his completed work. Genesis 1.31. Friends, can you get up this morning and have a rested, peaceful Sabbath morning if you didn't start earlier in the week? It won't happen. When did God start? On the first day. We need to spend time with God on the first day, and it'd be good. On the second day, and it'd be good. On the third day, and it will be good. And friends, when we get to, when we get to Sabbath, don't sleep in because it's good. Get up and spend that time with him in the morning. And Sabbath can be very good. God's very good, not mine. Better than we ever expected. Do not let this Sabbath or any other day pass without close, personal time with Jesus. The fires are burning. People are losing homes. The floods Pestilence, everything else. What is the one thing that people can't take from us? God. Whether you're in jail, whether you're lost in the mountains, whether you're in a fire, wherever you're at, you always have God there with you. Don't wait until you're in that bind to call on him. Because if you haven't been calling on him all along, you probably won't call on him then. And it won't be good. God is here today. Let's find out if he's real. I remember the day that God showed me a rainbow. And he used a little kid to ask me what that was. And I told him, it's a rainbow. It's a promise from God. God keeps all these promises. And because of what was going on in my life, I said, nobody keeps their promises. And God said, I keep mine. And that was the day that the religion of my mother the religion of the church, the religion of everyone else began to be mine. I wanted to know about this God. I wanted to see if he really kept his promises. Is this someone I can follow along with? Or is this something I can just dump by the wayside and walk away and we're we're good to go? And you can see the results. I'm here to tell you today that God is faithful. He means exactly what he says and that he will carry us through. And I would tell you the reason we don't see God working more today, very simply from my life, I would say because we don't wait on him. We don't expect him to work. But the times that I've waited on God, and I said, what is your plan? Oh, the stories I can tell about our amazing God. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. I want to give you confidence in God. I want to give you confidence in his word. And nothing else. God will not fail you. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. If we actually believe the words in the Bible, it will change your life. As I share with people in the thrift store, I had a lady this week I was talking to. She said, well, that's a good idea, Wayne. And I said, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm-mm. It's in the Bible, and God's done it in my life. Let me tell you the story. We need to know God's word. He fulfills his word. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, there's a promise, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You can't do it haphazard. All your heart. He wants all of us. How much did Christ give for us? 
on Calvary. All. Praise God, it was all. He wants us to give all also. Verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. That was written for Babylon, right? 70 years of captivity over, I'm going to bring you back. What does that have to do with us today? Don't raise your hand. How many of you are in captivity today? Satan is trying to wear us out. There's many people captive to many different things. Do you need out of captivity today? You can raise your hand now. I do. This was a promise then. It's a promise now. God still wants to bring us out of that captivity. He has plans for us. That kind of blew my mind the first time that I realized that God might actually have plans for us. And I remember being in Pathfinders and we said the pledge and we said the law and something, the last one, go on God's errands. And I was a kid. No one ever explained that to me. Those of you that have prayed for divine appointments, and I know you're here. I've heard your stories. If we pray for divine appointments, do you know that we can go on God's errands multiple times each and every day? God truly does have plans for you, for me. What a ride. It is an amazing, amazing. We must know our Bibles. We have to know these promises. And in my Bible, I take the promises and I highlight them green. Green is money, money in the bank, money in heaven's bank. And whenever I'm having a bad day, whenever I have a problem, I open up my Bible. What do you think I'm looking for? I want some promises. I want some green. There was a wise old man named Glenn Kuhn. And he said there was over 3,573 promises in the Word of God. And he's not talking about, I promise to destroy you or anything like that. He's talking about good, positive promises that you want to take with you to the bank. Okay? I think Glenn Kuhn was way ahead of his time. He believed you could take the Bible and use it as a prescription for anything. And the stories that man could tell. We need to know our Bibles. We need to know what God has done in the past. We must know that God doesn't change. I'm very, very thankful for that because things right now are changing faster and I can keep up with them. But praise God for a constant. God does not change. So what he did before, he can do again today. And I can have the confidence, no matter what I face in the future, that God will do it again then. I'm thankful for that. In Exodus 3, I think most of us are familiar with the burning bush, correct? Moses had been taught. He'd been trained up. Boy, he was a skilled warrior. He was an educated man. He was, he was ready to go. And before God could use him in his service, what did he have to do? I got to take you out here and I got to retrain you. Now, I'm not a fast learner or anything like that, but I can tell you with all my training and all that, that God took me to something called Death Valley. <laughs> it was actually Ridgecrest, California. And I spent eight years in the desert. It's not because I'm smart or I'm fast. It's because I was on an express course. We don't have 40 years anymore. And God taught me many, many things out there in the desert too, for which I'm very, very thankful for. Moses is out in the wood, out in the, not in the woods, out in the wilderness, out in the desert, and he sees this burning bush. Now he can look at that and say, oh, interesting. It's not going anywhere. Better tend to my sheep. And he goes on. He would have missed the blessing that God had for him. 
But he saw God working. He saw something going on. And what did he do? I'm going to turn and see what's going on. And as he approaches, God says, take off your shoes. You're on hallowed ground. And he had a conversation with God. Do you know that today God is doing many, many things again? And how many of us look at that and say, got a job to go to? Are you willing to stop and turn? Are you willing to go see what God is doing? Are you willing to get instruction of him again today? We need to turn aside. God has plans for us again even today. I told you earlier God has a sense of humor. And this, this probably isn't humorous. And yet I see God working. And to me I just shake my head. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> we want to be on God's path. But what happens if it's not a burning bush that we go to? What happens if it's a burning furnace? For some of those involved in ministry who work a little closer with God, and any one of us can do that, I suspect you've been thrown into burning furnace before. You know what the beauty of the burning furnace is? God walks with us. So there's divine appointments. God was trying to reach Nebuchadnezzar. And apparently Nebuchadnezzar couldn't be reached with a burning bush. And so God used three worthies, three faithful in the furnace. And what did Nebuchadnezzar say? I see a fourth who looks like the son of man. How did he know that? Because God had already been working on his heart. And he knew it. He just wasn't ready to admit it yet. And so these three Hebrews went through a fiery furnace experience. And there will be times when there's a burning bush that you and I can turn and look at. And there's times when you and I will go through a fiery experience. Sometimes in life, God will bring the burning bush experience to us. Three Hebrews didn't ask for this, but God needed to take his message to the world. Don't we call that the Great Commission? Does God still have a message that needs to go to the world and to reach the leaders, though they're not named Nebuchadnezzar anymore? So he brought the fire to his children. But God saw them through. And I praise God for revelation because it sounds like there's some really rough things about to happen. But as I read revelation, there is a remnant. There is a people that go through this, not on their own power, not on their own strength, but in God's power and in God's strength. If God allows a fiery furnace experience, he will also walk with you you and I are never alone. Think about that fiery furnace just for a second. Do you think that the Hebrews had worship that morning before they left their place? They knew they were going down there. Do you think they had a little worship that morning? I suspect it was a little bit longer one. It was pretty serious times and it's not, there's no good outcomes in sight. I suspect they prayed a little bit longer that morning. God, what's your answer? And I'm guessing that they gave not only their hearts to God, but they gave it all. God, there is nothing that I have. It's all yours. And I say that because when you look at the fiery furnace, they entered with their clothes, maybe a hat, and what else? Their hands were tied behind their back, were they not? They had given everything to God except for what? The cords that bind them. Did they give those to God? Man put those on him. And do you know when they went into that fire that God protected what had been given him? 
the three Hebrews, their clothing, their lives. But the ropes that someone else, that Satan had tried to apply to them, what did God do with that? Burned it off. Make sure with what's coming down the line right now that we have given everything to God. Starting with our spouses, our children, our homes, our vehicles. Since we've been up here, I've seen in my wife's rav, we were coming back from Canada, and I saw a deer shoot up out of the side of the ditch and was going to hit right in the door. There was just no two ways to it. He came up out of the ditch at a run. There was no way I could see it. And do you know that that deer stopped on pavement and the car went by and the deer went by behind? Can I tell you a secret how that happened? Because that doesn't happen. Do you know that before we leave, we pray and we ask God to watch over us, to watch over our vehicles, and to watch over his animals? I really enjoy seeing them. Don't forget to pray for those around us also. What have you given to God? If you give it to God, there's a good chance you can take it with you. When we give our spouses, when we give our children to God, though their lives might be required here, I'll see them again in heaven. We want to give everything to God. We don't want to hang on to anything. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that God has a plan. He's in every one of the, every one of the books of the Bible. And it's interesting, right now we're doing, a, um, we're doing a study at the thrift store on Revelation. And we think of Revelation, what do you think of? Big beasts and all this other stuff, right? What does Revelation 1.1 say? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't start with Revelation and the monsters and everything else. What did I say? The one thing I wanted to give you today? Jesus, I want to give you Christ. And I've been amazed by this series because the first thing they do is tell us about Jesus and they actually paint it as a love story. Something I've never heard about Revelation. But guess what? It's the most awesome love story you've ever seen. There's this evil guy that comes in and tries to steal away Christ's bride. It's an amazing story. And if we introduce Christ first, people will follow Christ. It makes so much more sense. If you're free on Tuesday night, we've got plenty of room. I'd invite you out to come out to that. We need to know this Bible. We need to know Christ. And he will see us through everything else. Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants, who's that? Them and us. Things which must shortly come to pass. How long ago was this written? Almost 2,000 years. Do you think shortly is up? This is for us. This is for us. We are seeing things happen now that we never saw before. Now, every generation is supposed to think that they're the generation that Christ comes back in. If they don't, they won't be ready. But I'm telling you that this is about to wrap up. And the old timers now, though they believe Christ was coming back, they will tell you, you've never seen this before. What does the Bible say? A house divided cannot stand. And brothers and sisters, this nation is so divided right now. 
And we saw over COVID and we saw over the masks, there are churches that split over that. Houses divided. Friends, we need to look at Christ. We cannot afford division. Division is failure. We want to look to Christ. We want to follow Christ. And he will bring us through. Always uplift Christ first. Revelation 1-2, who bear record of the word of God. There's no doubt about what this is. This is God's word and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. He's not leaving this to John was a creative speaker or anything like that. God gave me this and I'm sharing it with you faithfully. That's what you and I need to do. But if we haven't read God's word, if we haven't experienced and walked with him, what can we share? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I set you up on that one. God is amazing. That's all I can say. Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he that readeth. When was the last time you read Revelation? Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time. Uh Uh-oh. Not shortly. What does it say? The time is at hand. If it was at hand back then, what is it now? We're in overtime. Sudden death. It's time. We definitely need to be praying. We definitely need to hear God's voice. We need his leading and guiding in our lives. Excuse me. If we're going to learn God's ways, how do we do that? We need to study his word, correct? And we need to study not Hollywood's version of his word, but we need to study the Bible. Hollywood and and many others put many different spins and and, uh, fallacies in it. It's not even close. It's it's horrifying what they do to some of those things. Go Go to the original go to the Bible. We can still eat the tree of life. And I would submit to you that this is the tree of life, that this will give us the life. What else do we need along with this? We need one more thing. Prayer. We need the communication with heaven. Christ was our example in everything, correct? How much time did he spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in prayer? This is an area that I need improvement in also. It's our connection with heaven. It's our lifeblood. And I would tell you that in the days ahead, everyone says you need to prep, you need to do this, you need to do this and that. I would tell you that Isaiah 30, 21 is our way to get through the future, whatever it is. Isaiah 30, 21. You'll hear a voice behind you say, this is the way. Walk ye in it, whether you turn to the right or to the left. We need to hear God's voice. And how do we do that? In prayer. Jesus spent the time in prayer, and you and I need to do that. From a beautiful book called Steps to Christ, in chapter 11, if you haven't read that recently, I would highly recommend it. It's a good book. And this is an awesome chapter that we should go through quite often. Chapter 11 of Steps to Christ says, Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Here's the one that I love. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. Where are my problems at? 
down here. I would love to leave those behind. I want to go up to God. I want to come out and to leave all this worldly stuff behind. And do you know that by praying, it will bring you up? It changes your mind. It changes your attitude. It changes everything. We need to be in God's word, and we need to be praying. All the great men and women of the Bible, what did they have in common? Were they prayer warriors? Elisha, Elijah, many others. Noah, man, what about Noah? He was praying, and God said, build me an ark. What's an ark? It's a boat. It's going to float on water. It's going to rain. What is rain? Can you see that Noah had an understanding of God's voice? It's going to rain. I need to build an ark. You got plans for that? Thank you. 120 years he built on that ark. Physically, he spoke and he said, a flood is coming. And all the people said... It's never flooded. Don't worry about that. That's a crazy old man building a boat up there. Don't worry about him. But spiritually, what was he doing? We're told that with every blow of the hammer, he was preaching a sermon. And you and I have been given things to do today to get ready for Christ's return. I do what I can, and God will make up the difference. But to sit and wait and say, God's going to take care of me, is going to be fatal. We need the relationship with Christ. Let Christ tell you what to do, and he will. He has plans for you. We already read that. Jesus himself, while he dwelt among men, was often in prayer. Our Savior identified himself with our needs and weaknesses in that he became a suppliant, a petitioner, seeking from his Father fresh supplies of strength that he may come forth braced for duty and trial. He is our example in all things. He is a brother in our affirmities, in all points, tempted like as we are, but as a sinless one, his nature recoiled from evil. He endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin. His humanity made prayer a necessity and a privilege. He found comfort and joy in communion with his Father. Do you find comfort and joy in communion with our Father? I do. I need that time to keep me going. And if the Savior of men, the Son of God, felt the need of prayer, how much more should feeble, sinful mortals, mortals feel the necessity of fervent, constant prayer? When you wake up in the morning, do you thank God? My window's facing the mountain. The sun rises. It looks me in the eye if I'm late sleeping in. Thank you, God, for another day. Do you know, unfortunately, there's ones that didn't wake up last night? And they didn't even know that that would be their last day. Are we thanking God for another day? Are we asking him what his plans are for today for me? What do you want me to do? I want to tell you a quick story. I'm guessing you guys have heard about something called COVID-19. You also know that I manage a thrift store. I manage God's store. I tell the employees it's God's store. Now, while I have a background in, WM, in weapons of mass destruction and many other things, I had not heard of COVID-19 before. What do we do? Apparently, it's getting worse. People are getting sick. Businesses are getting shut down. What do we do? And I've got employees looking at me. What would you do? 
I started praying, <laughs> sincere prayers. And I said, God, what is your plan? And as I began to study it out, I looked, and when Christ walked this earth, he walked among the lepers. He walked among the sick. He touched them, and he didn't get sick. And God convicted me that he had a plan for us, and that if we would stay with that, that we would be all right. So I called all the employees together, and I set them down, and I said, God has a purpose. This is his store. We minister to this community And God wants us to continue our work. Now, I'm talking by faith because I'm still not completely sure what's going on here. But I shared with them that Christ had walked among the the lepers, that he had walked among the sick, and that he was protected. And I shared with them a little magazine from Amazing Facts, God's Eight Laws of Health. And I said, if we will follow God's way, he will see us through this. Now, I was speaking on God's promises at that point because I didn't know what was about to happen. But I know what God's done in the past. And what he's done in the past, he can do again now. And I can have the confidence that in the future he can do it also, correct? So I knew what he'd done before, and I was counting that he could do it again in the future. We were shut down for six weeks when everyone else was shut down. But God's store has stayed open the entire time. God brought us a little... um, God brought us that little blue thing as a HEPA 5000 air filter. It removes smoke and mold and stuff like that. And I saw that thing come in and I was like, what do I do with this thing? And I got out there and I was looking around trying to see what it was. And I thought, well, I guess we could sell it on Craigslist or something like that. I'll put it out in the store and I'll list it there just to see if it sells. Two weeks in, it wouldn't sell. And I'll just be honest with you. I'm, I'm ashamed of it, but I'll be honest with you. Two weeks in, I asked God, why did you send this to the store? I can't sell it. You know what he told me? Look at the specifications, Wayne. So I got on the internet and I started looking it up. And I forget the exact details, but I'm going to say that COVID comes down to five microns. And do you know that this thing filters to three? It will filter out the COVID. God, I'm so sorry. You brought this to your store to keep us healthy. This is one of many tools. This isn't the tool. This is one of many tools that you brought for us. And I can tell you from that day until now, that is plugged in in the store somewhere. And it is filtering air. God provides for our needs. Do you know that after a year of being there, my cashiers are both um, awesome. Uh, Both my cashiers are above 65 which is a hazard group for COVID. And we still take cash. And do you know that they've been there on the front line taking cash and working? One of them did try to get sick, and I said, God has health laws. Go home and take some hot, cold showers. And I explained how to do it. She called me back about an hour later, which means she didn't cheat. She actually did exactly what I told her to do. She said, Wayne, I am so tired. And I said, awesome, you didn't cheat go to bed, call me when you wake up. She slept a couple hours, she called me, woke up. She said, what? What do I do now? I said, go do it again. Go get you some vitamin C. Go take your herbs, different things like this, natural remedies that God has provided. Do you know that she didn't get sick? Now, I'm not saying if you get sick that you did something wrong, okay? That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that God has protected our store. I have had employees that got COVID. But praise God, they left Friday afternoon, They were exposed to something on Saturday. They called me, let me know about it. I said, stay home, please. Check your temperatures. Let me know what happens. 
One of them did get COVID. And I said, hot, cold showers, vitamin C, here's what you do. Get you some rest. And they got over it and they came back to work. God has protected his store. And while many other businesses in this town have shut down in additional time because of it, God has protected us. Now my cashier came back to me just recently and she said, Wayne, do you realize what's, what's happened? That's never good. I don't like to hear that as a manager. <laughs> no, what's happened? She said, do you know the whole time we've been on the front line? And, and look, we had people come in the store and cough on us. <coughs> I just took my COVID <coughs> test. My wife is sick. <coughs> Pretty sure they're going <coughs> to send me home too, but I want to stop <coughs> by here one more time. And I'd get up from the office and I'd hear them if they were coughing and I'd ask them to come outside with me. And I was like, you got to go home. Don't come back in the store. So I know there was more times that we were exposed, both myself and my cashiers. And I praise God for his health plan, for his watch care and his protection over us. I want to share one more story. Because I've told you that I want to introduce you to Christ that he has plans for you, and that he has something you can do. Some of you are probably saying, I will never get up front. Don't worry. Apparently that wasn't God's plan for you. (laughs) But God still has a plan for you. And I want to share a story with you because I remember reading this and studying this out and looking at this and really was impressed with God's plans. In Matthew 8, 28, the night on the sea, the storms, The disciples, seamen, are worried about this storm, and they call on Christ. What is Christ doing in the boat in the middle of the sea, in the middle of that storm? Have you ever been at sea before? It gets pretty ugly. How was he sleeping? Just like the three Hebrews. He had given everything to his father. And whatever his father's will was, was good enough for him. And when you do that, you can lay down and sleep. I lay my head down in the pillow at evening time. I thank God for getting me through a day. I commit myself to him again. And I close my eyes and I go to sleep. And I do not toss and turn. And I sleep all night long and I do not get up. And God faithfully wakes me every morning so I can spend time with him again. Sometimes it's early. I know I've got a rough day ahead when he spends extra time with me. Some days it's just a little bit of time. But Christ, after this night, comes to the shore. And in Matthew 28, we're told that when he comes into town, there's a demoniac there. Two, depending on which one you see, but it says two. I think later on, they're only talking about one specific one. Is why they say one. Two demoniacs. And they come to Christ. And the demoniac is speaking. Let's go to Matthew 28 real quick. Matthew 28. I don't want to butcher this. Let's read it from God's word. Matthew 28. 828, thank you. We'd have told the wrong story. Matthew 8, 28. Matthew 8, 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. 
And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their way into the city and told everything that was befallen of the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. Is this a good meeting or a bad meeting? And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would leave. This is a bad meeting. Help me just a second here. The demons were inside of this demoniac, correct? And he was still alive. As soon as the demons go to the swine, what happens to them? In the water, dead. Do you see God's hand of protection? If that hand is pulled back, Satan would kill each and every one of us immediately. So the whole town comes out, and by the way, depending on your, your research there, some of those were Christians. They shouldn't have had something unclean. And God allowed it to go in there, and the unclean, what hadn't been given to God, suffered a loss. We need to come on board with God. We need to, to let the world go. That tree of knowledge of good and evil, let it go. We don't want that. In Mark 5, we're told the same story again. And we're talked, we've told about this demoniac who hasn't been in his right mind, but comes and sits at Jesus' feet, hears something awesome, and he wants to go with Jesus. And what does God say? What does Jesus say? He said No. This demoniac just had his life changed. He just heard something awesome. And Jesus says no. Have you ever heard no in your life? Let's go to Mark 5, 17 and 19. Mark 5, we're almost done. Mark 5, 17. And they, the people, began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. That's Jesus. Leave. Go away. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. How much instruction did this demoniac have? Very little. And I'm very confident that each and every one of you here, under my voice and the ones on the internet, that you have had more instruction than this demoniac. Would you be willing to follow Christ's instructions to that demoniac? What was he supposed to do? Go and tell the people what God has done for you. Do you know that as you do that, that God does more and you have more to tell? And as you tell more, God does more and it just continues to grow? It's pretty amazing, actually. Many times in life we hear no. God said no and we just leave. And I've come back and I started praying and said, God, I heard no, but I don't understand. And what God showed me was just absolutely amazing. Because if I was that demoniac, I would have wanted to go with him. 
And God said no. And so I came back and I said, God, I, don't, I heard no, but I don't understand. Help me out. Does no and no sound like the same thing? I heard no. I heard N-O. And God says, I know best. And God said to that demoniac, I know best. Go back and tell what I've done for you. And that's God's plan for you today also. Go tell what I've done for you. Now, what could possibly happen? You've got a demoniac. No, no real, today as we call it, religious training. No college degree. What could he do for God? What, what could possibly be the outcome of this? Many church leaders would be nervous. He hasn't had enough training. Do I really want to put him out there? Friends, I will tell you this, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart. Anyone that has given their life to God in his daily communing with God is the best messenger out there. We need that direct contact. And if they have that direct contact with God, you don't have to worry about what they're saying and doing. Let's go to Luke 8, and let's see what happens to this demoniac who sat at Christ's feet for just a short while and then was told to go share the great gospel commission. Go tell what I've done for you. Luke eight thirty eight says, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things God had done with him, unto him. Same story, correct? I love the Bible. Don't quit reading the Bible. When, you, when you're told a story, keep reading the Bible. You know why? Because the Bible is actually just Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Do you know we have the whole plan of salvation right there? Where we came from, where we're going to. But God loves the details. And he gave us more details. And in this story right here, we're about to get more details. And it's pretty amazing. Verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people, what? What's that next word? Gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Off of what? Off of an evangelistic series? Off of one person who sat at Jesus' feet, heard his voice, and was willing to follow whatever he said. That is still available today. That can still happen today. Christ is looking for the one who will take him at his word and will go do it. Especially I see young people right here. If I could just tell you, read the stories in the Bible. Know they're not stories. Know that they are real. And that the same Christ that wrote those stories and that did that wants to do it in your life. And for you bigger kids under 100, he wants to do it for you too. Because I read in heaven, we're going to grow up at 100. You and I have a message to take to this world, do we not? Don't start in Revelation 14. Start in Revelation 1. You and I have a very simple task, and that is to share Christ. Before you can share Christ, you must know Christ. Praise God, you don't have to know all of him because I still don't know all of him and I still don't completely understand him. But I know a little bit. And what I know is really awesome. And as I share that, I learn more. And I believe that throughout the endless ages of eternity that you and I are going to be able to learn so much more about Christ. 
I asked you this morning, why were you here? I pray that you came to know the Creator God. Several years ago, I left Mississippi, and I was headed to a country that I did not know. I was headed somewhere I didn't want to go. It was called California. But I had seen God's hand, and I had seen His leading. I had seen Him open the doors, and I knew I needed to go. As I'm driving down the interstate, I see these clouds begin to build. It's a storm, and I don't have a a topper on my truck. Everything I have is in the back of the truck, and very few of it is in watertight containers. And I see this storm brewing, and I pulled over. It, it, was, it was like unlike anything I've ever seen. The clouds were like kind of moving and rolling, and it was just, it was, it was 3D like I've never seen before. And I pulled over beside the road, and I said, God, are you trying to tell me something? Are you, is there something that I need to know? I mean, I'm, I'm stepping out in faith here, and I'm, I'm headed to California, and I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to work this out. Is there something I need to know? And the voice I heard that day just completely shook me up. You'll never believe what God said. Very clearly I heard, you need to trust me more. But, but God, I just sold everything. I just walked away from everything. And, and what did God say? You need to trust me more. Each and every one of us in here today need to trust God more. Me too. Years later, I'm still learning to trust him even more. As I continued on down the road, the clouds were getting bad. I'm thinking about the stuff in there. Colleen, who was my girlfriend at the time, was looking on the internet. She said, I was headed into Amarillo, Texas. And she said, it's going to rain. I, like, I know, I know. Let's talk about something else. And she kept telling me, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And finally, I, I was listening to that, but I knew that God had sent me to California. And I knew there was something out there I was supposed to go and do and learn. And I just gave it to him. If it rains, it rains. God, I'm okay with this. And I said something, and I, I didn't mean to say it. I just said it. And what I said was, I'm, I'm talking to Colleen, and, and we're talking about the rain. I said, honey, if God wants to, he can make a tunnel, and he can drive me into Amarillo, and he can keep everything I have dry. I just had the faith and confidence that God could do that. It wasn't a challenge. It wasn't anything else. But I want to show you a picture that I took about a half hour down the road. Do you see that? God made a tunnel. I drove into Amarillo that night and nothing got wet. But let me tell you the rest of the story. When I parked at that motel in Amarillo and I pulled my bag out and I went up to my room, do you know what it started to do? It started to rain. Really, you're going to drive me all the way into town and then you're going to let it rain now? As I'm up, up, up there in the room and I'm talking to Colleen, I was like, I made it, it's dry, it's raining, darn, it's flooding. I was like, uh-oh. And I opened the curtains and I'm looking out the little truck and it's just getting completely soaking wet. And now I see the rain start to go sideways. As a sky-worn spotter, I know that that's tornado weather. It's possible now for tornadoes to happen. And I said, we need to pray. I'm in trouble. Not worried about the truck anymore. I'm worried about me. I don't want a tornado to get me. We need to pray. So we stopped and we prayed. A little while later, the storm ceased. Found out there was two tornadoes that went over Amarillo, Texas that night. Neither one of them, praise God, touched down. So you can imagine we had a really interesting devotion time in the morning. God, why in the world did you build me a tunnel and drive me in and keep me dry And then let the truck get soaking wet. I don't understand. 
Whether God takes you through the storm or whether like the three Hebrews, he grabs a hold of you and he takes you into the middle of the storm. God has your back. He will take care of you. We need to figure that out today. There's things coming down the line that you and I, if I said it today, we wouldn't even, you'd think I was crazy. The one thing that you need, that I need, is to know Christ, to hear his voice. And if you can hear that voice, he will lead you through COVID. He will lead you through whatever. We need to hear Christ's voice. I told you this morning that I had a scripture and it was the same one that God impressed upon Joe. There's so many people out there right now, just as this world right now is on a flashpoint and the fires could come up around us and just spread like wildfire physically. Do you know what's going on spiritually right now? People are searching for answers. They want answers. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always, not to five, to give an answer to, every, to everyone. And a, I'm not sure what that is. Spell check got me or something there. Answer to everyone and give a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Watch out for that modern technology. It'll mess you up at the worst possible times. Satan does not want you to know this. You never know when you're going to have to witness to someone at the gas station or at the grocery store. You never know when you're going to have to stand in front of the church and share with them. But do we have an amazing God? Should we be able to share him at any point in time with anyone? We need that. In Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Friends, today, have you given your life to Christ? Are you willing to go on his errands? Whatever his plans are, are you willing to go? If it's a burning bush, will you turn aside to see it? And if it's a fiery furnace, do you know that God is walking beside you? That he will bring good out of this? Have you seen him do it? He can. He will. It's not an easy road. I'm not, don't, I'm not even going to paint you an easy road. But I'm telling you that it is a road by God's grace that you and I can travel. It's a road to his honor and glory. Would you like to be a part of God's plan? I pray that for all of us, myself included. I need that.